Hey, this is Neil Parks coming at you with another new episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host. I'm an award-winning author, screenwriter, sometimes an actor. I'm always acting up. I'm a card who needs to be dealt with. I have really bad dad jokes and puns on a daily, if not minute-by-minute, second-by-second, hour-by-hour basis. You can ask my wife and kids. They're in therapy. I'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Roswell. UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Now I got some interesting pieces of fan mail, mainly questions from people, listeners like you. Uh, one of them's coming from an individual um, out of Texas asking me, uh, Mr. Neil Parks, have you ever encountered an Egyptian or a Greek or Roman ghost? Unfortunately, um, Mr. Texas, I have not. I've not been to Egypt. I've not been fortunate enough to hit that region or anywhere around um, Greece or Rome. That would be my idea of where you would encounter spirits of that nature, that culture. Uh, Unless, say, like the Smithsonian Institute that has artifacts and relics from that area. The same with any museum, uh, such as in New York City. Chances are there might be some kind of attachment from that culture that could be spiritual, but I've not been fortunate enough to encounter it. Another question comes from Molly out of Boston, Massachusetts. She's asking me, We moved into a new home, Neil, and since making some renovations, just adding some shelves, painting some walls, moving a window, and uh, planning on adding a sun porch in the back, strange things have been happening in the house. Um, We have a three-year-old who has been interacting with a child that they say lives in the closet and did some digging on the history of the home and found out that there was a pond that was behind the house at one point that they've since drained and covered over that a uh, six-year-old child had drowned in that pond that lived in the house originally and the room that my child now has is the room this child once had and that's uh, based on the description of what my child has given me in regards to the other child that I can't see but they are playing with and interacting with matches the description of the child who died from drowning on the property. What should I do? Uh, at this point, it doesn't appear to be any kind of a threat um, based on just interacting with that. If it is um, residual, then that's perfectly normal, perfectly fine, absolutely harmless. If it's something that is non-human and manifesting itself and appearing as a child to toy with and manipulate your child and your family, then that could be dangerous. Only time will tell. Uh, Either the child, your kid, will grow out of interacting with this 
uh, once that extra gland closes over that so many of us uh, of the human population percentage-wise loses the ability to interact through a natural sixth sense because of the what we know as the third eye, the gland that is attached to your cerebral cortex closes over with age and then there's no longer any kind of an interaction with the spirit world or the ability to see things that you can't physically see but are there metaphysically. Only time will tell, but if it begins to show any signs of aggression or if your child is actually being hurt by this thing, then you definitely want to seek a paranormal investigation team, a research team that is tied deeply in, uh, into a church or faith to where you could use either a um, rabbi or a priest or a, a Christian minister to eradicate negative energy. If that becomes the case, that, that would be wise. The next question comes from Mark out of Florida. He's telling me about a time that he and some friends went camping in Tennessee and encountered what appeared to be a uh, giant dog bear creature. He's asking me if there have ever been any werewolf sightings or reports, that is, in Tennessee, in this area, um, outside of the mountains, close to, he says it's a PGA golf course on the other side of the mountain, but in this region he was camping in, he encountered, he and his friends encountered some strange dog bear type creature. Now, I can tell you, Mark, that the dog man has always been described as some sort of a strange hybrid bear dog looking thing. Uh, not quite a werewolf, not anywhere near as big as a bear, but it does have uh, strong, stalky arms and stands upright and has backwards bending legs like a dog or a standard animal where their knees are essentially on the back of their leg. And they do have that appearance and they stand upright, but they hunch over and they can run on all fours at the same time as well as running on the back legs. Uh, if that is what you, in fact, encountered, chances are you saw a dogman. Now, as far as dogman reports in Tennessee, I've not come across any, nor have any of the other people that I've collaborated with and other research teams I've worked with in the past. Have they ever written about, talked about, or encountered a dogman in Tennessee? It's something to definitely flag and keep a close eye on because you may not be the only one encountering this type of creature. I'd like to thank all of my fans and people listening who will hopefully become fans of the show for sending in your questions. I take those anytime. You can send emails and questions to parksparanormal at gmail.com. That's parksparanormal at gmail.com. And you can always get on YouTube or Facebook and type in keywords under search at the Neil Parks and my YouTube channel is under Parks Paranormal. You can always find it, of course, through Google or go on YouTube and put in at the Neil Parks and you will find my channel. And I would be happy to answer any questions you have, give you some advice or fair warning. Uh, thank you so much for the fan mail, the questions, the letters. Keep them coming, people. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. The new American religion of UFOs. Belief in aliens is like faith in religion and may come to replace it, according to some. Last week, the New York Times published a viral article about reports of UFOs off the coast in 2014 and 2015 and included an interview with five Navy pilots who witnessed and in some cases recorded mysterious flying objects with no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes that appeared to reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds. No one is quite sure what they saw, but the sightings are striking and they're part of a growing fascination with the possibility of intelligent alien life. According to Diana Pascula, a professor at the University of North Carolina and author of the new book, American Cosmic, belief in UFOs and extraterrestrials is becoming a kind of religion, she says, and it isn't nearly as fringe as you might think. More than half of American adults and over 60% of young Americans believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life. This tracks pretty closely with the belief in God, she says. And if Pascula is right, that's not an accident. Her book isn't so much about the truth of UFOs or aliens. It is about what the appeal of belief in those things says about our culture and the shifting roles of religion and technology in it. On the surface, it's a book about the popularity of belief in aliens, but it's really a deep look at how myths and religions are created in the first place and how human beings deal with unexplainable experiences. A lightly edited transcript of the conversation with Pascula follows. Uh, you describe belief in UFOs and aliens as the latest manifestation of a very old impulse, a religious impulse. What is it about extraterrestrials that captivates so many people? Pascula goes on to say, one way we can make sense of this by using a very old but functional definition of religion as simply the belief in non-human and supernatural intelligent beings that often descend from the sky. There are many definitions of religion, but this one is pretty standard. There is another distinction about belief in non-human extraterrestrial intelligence or UFO inhabitants that makes it distinct from the types of religions with which we are most familiar. Um, a historian of Catholicism, for instance, would say uh, what they find when they interact with people in Catholic communities is that they have faith that Jesus walked on water and that the Virgin Mary uh, apparitions were true. But there's some, uh, something very different about the UFO narrative. Here we have people who are actual scientists like Ellen Stolfen, the former chief scientist at NASA, uh, they are. Uh, this person's willing to go on TV and basically make announcements like, we are going to find extraterrestrial life. Now she's not exactly uh, talking about the intelligent extraterrestrial life, but that's not how many people interpret her anyway. She says that they're going to find life. They're going to find inhabitable planets and things like that. But So that gives this type of religious religiosity a far more powerful bite than the traditional religions 
which are based on faith and things unseen and unfound. But the belief that UFOs and aliens are potentially true and could potentially be proven makes this a uniquely powerful narrative for the people who believe in it. It is fair to call this new form of religion uh, a religion, I, I would say so. Uh, there are two incredible modern scientists, such as Alan Hynek and Joaquiz Valil, who reviewed the idea. Hynek passed away in 1986, but he actually, uh, the star character in the History Channel show Project Blue Book. Valil is still here, and he is an astronomer and a computer scientist who worked on Arpanet, which was a military precursor to the Internet. Basically, Hynek and Valil called themselves the Invisible College. Once they started to believe the things they were investigating were somehow either extraterrestrial or interdimensional, they were part of a group of scientists that were known to each other but were not known to the general public who quietly pursued the research of their own time. So once uh, you start engaging with uh, these scientists who are doing this type of work, who believe in the reality of extraterrestrial intelligence, who believe they were reverse engineering technology from what they insisted was alien aircraft, it, it would be stunning for all of us to bear witness to this and probably cause some sort of a cataclysmic event where people are often shooting each other religions are battling other religions for supremacy and if we all of a sudden have a mothership appear out of the sky out of nowhere you're going to have all of these gun crazy americans or those from other countries that are gun crazy uh, popping off rounds at the unknown and possibly creating an interstellar war that's something that we don't really need to see in our lifetime or any lifetime for that matter Paranormal. The word paranormal denotes experiences that are outside the norm and beyond scientific explanation. Even so, these events from supernatural phenomena to extrasensory perception to ghosts, aliens, and UFOs take on a life of their own in pop culture. That's where live science comes in. The reporters dig into the latest paranormal news to debunk and even explain the science of what's really causing these seemingly supernatural. Related topics to this, that being aliens, religion, life's little mysteries, so on and so forth. Live science is an excellent resource to go through. The Mandela Effect is a phenomenon that makes us question even the most mundane memories from the past. In June 2019, the famed New York Times crossword puzzle made it the theme and defined it as a recent refinement of false memory that typically refers to pulp culture or current event references. Named by paranormal researcher Fiona Broom, it's basically remembering something that doesn't match with historical records. For example, the stuff you use to make your home smell fresh isn't Febreze. More on that later. Broom has said that she loves the idea that the Mandela effect or others claiming they distinctly recall different events or details could be proof that we are existing in alternate realities. We are not so sure that that's the truth, but these comparisons between popular belief and reality is making our jaws hit the floor as we type this and speak about it. Check out 40 of the most God-smacking facts 
I'm about to name off for starters Nelson Mandela's death let's start with the reason we're all here Nelson Mandela who this theory is named after died in 2013 however countless people distinctly remember him dying in prison in the 1980s but his death isn't the only example of a Mandela effect we've been working about uh, wrong about so many dates details and more keep going for more uh commonly misremembered moments in history here as I run them off for you. Jeff Peanut Butter has always been Jeff. It's not Jiffy. People swear there was a Jiffy Peanut Butter back in the day, but uh, they're combining Jeff with his competitor, Skippy. And that's where you get Jiffy. Looney Tunes. It's T-U-N-E-S, not T-O-O-N-S. It makes almost zero sense, but yes, the cartoon was spelled as T-U-N-E-S. Now this one, I can't wrap my brain around because I distinctly remember it being the Baron Stein Bears. The reason I, uh, it was pronounced Baron Stein, B-E-R-E-N-S-T-I-N, as so many remember it. The reason I called it Baron Stein was because I... Compared it to Frankenstein, because I thought the spelling was very similar to Frankenstein. So I would call it that. But in reality, the lovable cartoon bear family is actually spelled B-E-R-E-N-S-T-A-I-N. There's always been an A, but so many people remember it being Stein, S-T-E-I-N. Another one. Curious George never had a tail. Sex and the city. So many people remember it being sex in the city. But uh, these four women were in fact having sex in the city, but the show was actually titled Sex and the City. Febreze. You might use this stuff every day, but the uh, to be honest, you might have thought it was Febreze. B-R-E-E-Z-E. Where, in fact, it's only one E. Oscar Mayer is actually Oscar Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R, but still pronounced Mayer. Skechers is S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S, not S-K-E-T-C-H-E-R-S. Fruit Loops is not F-R-U-I-T, it's F-R-O-O-T. Kellogg has been spelling Fruit Loops like that for years, and I only noticed it now. King Henry VIII's turkey leg, in a painting of King Henry, uh, for some reason, so many people distinctly remember the portrait showing the King of England wielding a turkey leg. But in reality, he has his... Hand pointed upwards, draped over his shoulder. He was never holding a turkey leg. The Monopoly Man. So many people remember him having a monocle, which is a single lens over one eye that is common with rich people or of those of an aristocratic society of that time period. He never had a monocle. Pikachu from Pokemon. His tail does not have black squiggly marks at the end. It's just completely yellow. Kit Kat. There's no hyphen. It's just Kit Kat. The Fruit of the Loom logo. 
used to have a cornucopia behind the fruit, right? Right? No, there was never a cornucopia. It's just fruit. Cornucopia, that's a basket. Cheese it or cheese its It's just cheese it There's no Z at the end. So many people call it cheese its That could be a colloquialism, though, where so many people refer to the grocery store chain Kroger as Kroger's or Walmart as Walmart's. Double stuff Oreos? It's only one F. Double stuff. Mona Lisa's smile? There are a lot of theories about this one, but so many people have claimed that she used to have a more obvious smile. But in fact, it's just a grimace. C-3PO has a silver leg. Even the biggest Star Wars fan and Halloween costume sites get it wrong. The robot isn't all gold. He has one silver piece on his right leg. The Flintstones has two T's. It's not the Flynn stones, it's the Flint stones. Chartreuse. There was someone telling you that the chartreuse is a magenta pink color. So many others agree with you, but in reality, it's a shade of green. That is chartreuse. Life is like a box of chocolates. Is not what Forrest Gump, played by the amazing Tom Hanks, actually said. If you listen closely, he says, life was like a box of chocolates. I'm regretting all of those Instagram captions right about now. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Nope, that wasn't the line in Snow White either. In fact, the Wicked Queen says, magic mirror on the wall. Our childhood has been ruined. Luke, I am your father from Darth Vader and Star Wars. Honestly, this one cut me pretty deep. Perhaps the most famous movie line in history wasn't even said that way. All he really said was, I am your father. Run, you fools. Hate to burst your bubble again, but this memorable line was never said by Gandalf before his treacherous fall. You can clearly hear him saying, fly, you fools. Hello, Clarice. I'm not sure what's scarier, the fact that we remember Hannibal Lecter saying hello, Clarice, or the reality that all he said was good morning. Say what? Of the world. Oh, and your favorite song, the Mandela Effect, is here to ruin that too. We all think of Freddie Mercury belting out of the world at the end of We Are the Champions, but it never happened. Mr. Rogers' theme song. You might start singing the lyric, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, especially with the upcoming Tom Hanks film. But even the movie makers got it wrong. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A small but mighty blow to our memories. The number of U.S. states. The correct answer is 50, obviously, but some Americans and foreigners alike recall learning that there were 51 or 52. Sinbad never played a genie in a movie. This one is perhaps the most bizarre of all. Millions of people can attest that they distinctly remember seeing the comedian in a movie called Shazam. Many argue they're confusing this memory with the movie Kazam, starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. But who really knows? There was also a Radio Shack commercial in the early 1990s where Sinbad played a genie uh, for someone making a Christmas wish list. 
Only you, Smokey the Bear. Yep, that's his name. Contrary to popular belief, his name isn't Smokey the Bear. It's just Smokey Bear. Tank Man, and perhaps the most memorable moment during the 1989 Tiananmen Square protests. Recollections of the event vary. Some say the unidentified man known as Tank Man was run over and killed. But others um, show the video of him moving away from the scene. Neil Armstrong's death. Oddly enough, people who have a recollection of the aeronautic legend's death, many fans apparently forgot or didn't notice the news of him passing in August 2012. Billy Graham's death. Like Mandela, many can't place when Billy Graham's funeral aired on TV. That's probably because it didn't happen long ago. He died in February of 2018. Mother Teresa. People have strong opinions about when Mother Teresa was ordained as a saint. The real event happened in 2016, but many remember her entering sainthood in the 1990s when she was still alive. Space Shuttle Challenger Explosion. Though the tragic accident took place on January 28, 1986, there were a number of people who thought it happened in 1984 or 85. I'm one of them. The Lindenberg Baby. When aviator Charles Lindenberg's infant son was kidnapped, the entire world focused their attention on the story. Many remember the case going cold, but they sadly found the baby and uh, sentenced the killer to death for the heinous crime. Patrick Swayze's health. Though the actor sadly died after being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, people have said they remember him recovering. Leonardo DiCaprio's first Oscar. Though Leo finally took home his first Oscar for Best Actor in 2016, millions of people argue he scored one much earlier. It's easy to get this one confused, though, because he was previously nominated five other times. Location of Disney World Castle. If you've ever been to Magic Kingdom, do you recall where the castle was located? Some, even one Orlando local, clearly remembers it being at the entrance of the park. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed all of the complete crazy and otherworldly things I shared with you. Tune in next week for a best of episode. I'm going to be taking a bit of a break during the holidays. I may have a new episode lined up before Christmas. Here's to hoping. Be sure to send all questions, comments, complaints, or really cool videos that are paranormally related to Parks Paranormal at gmail.com. And you can find me on Google, YouTube, and Facebook. Keywords at the Neil Parks. That's N-E-A-L-P-A-R-K-S at the Neil Parks. I'll be looking forward to hearing from you and hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Keep your eyes on the sky.